Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, while the baskets are going around, we're going to just go ahead and get right into our uh, message today. So we have been going through the book of Genesis uh, this summer, all throughout the summer, we're in a message series called Created, which is a journey through the book of Genesis, and we're learning about who God is, who he created us to be, and how he relates to us and how we relate back to him. And it's been a really great journey. We only have three weeks left. Today we're beginning kind of the, uh, we're rounding third here, heading towards home plate, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, someone named Joseph, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, I hope that this series has been challenging for you. I hope it's been encouraging for you. Um, we're, our goal, really, is we want you to understand um, not just who God is, but hopefully you're beginning to see the, the threads that are woven not just in Genesis, but all throughout Scripture that ultimately lay the foundation for who we are as Christians and how God relates to us and why we believe the things that we do. So last week we went through Genesis chapter 35. So we're kind of getting close to the end of the book of Genesis now. And we talked about Jacob, Jacob's legacy. Jacob is the father of Israel. He had 12 sons, and each one of those was the one of the founders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the story of Jacob, really the entire story of Jacob, reflects really the overall picture of Genesis, which is that humanity is full of failures and full of faults and the way that we treat each other, the way that we treat people, the way we respond to God, our lack of faithfulness. And yet through all of it, in Jacob's life, we see it reflected all through Genesis that despite our flaws, God is still faithful that God is still good, and that God will fulfill his plans and his purposes. And so we saw that last week, even in Jacob's story, and that's his legacy. And so the big idea of last week was to remember the past, but to leave it there and step forward into God's promises. Well, today we're going to begin the last three weeks of our journey through Genesis, and we're going to be examining the life of a man named Joseph. And we're calling this next three weeks Joseph, the Lord of the Dreams, the Lord of the Dreams. And that'll make sense in a couple minutes about why. And it's broken up into three parts. Well, up to this point, up to this point throughout Genesis, we have began our journey with Adam and Eve in the garden and the creation account and who we were meant to be and who God created us to be and who, how he wanted us to have a relationship with him. And we took that story through to Noah. And then we discovered from there we saw Abraham, who God spoke to in the very beginning and said that God was calling him to be the father of nations and ultimately creating a new kind of people that would change the world. And then from Abraham, we saw his son Isaac, his, his son that came from the relationship with him and his wife. And they had another child, Ishmael, which is going to be important today, and we'll see why at the end of this message. And then from Isaac, Isaac had children who had Jacob. And Jacob got married and had 12 kids who are the tribes of Israel. And so all the way from Adam and Eve now to this place of where Jacob, his named, he was renamed to be, uh, he's given a new name named Israel, and that we now know is the, ultimately the father of the nation of Israel that we have today that is in the Middle East and is in that space. And so we have seen how God has been faithful throughout all of it. Well, today we're going to see how the 12 children of Israel, God singles out one of them to fulfill his purpose. 
and to be his chosen instrument, instrument to fulfill the promise that God had to Abraham and ultimately to us that we reap the benefits of today. And that man is named Joseph. And his story starts as a young man. The Bible tells us he's actually only 17 years old. So if you have a Bible with you, please pull it out and open it up to Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to be reading today. Joseph's story is in Genesis 37 and actually all the way through 50. So the next couple weeks, we're going to be handling the next like 15 chapters of Genesis. Genesis chapter 37 begins in verse 1, and it will also be on the screens for you here. And if you don't have Bibles, I encourage you to make sure you pick one up. We have free Bibles for you right outside in the lobby uh, at the Connection Center, as well as as soon as you exit the chapel, get a free Bible today. It begins here, Genesis 31, verse 7. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. There, these are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended to sheep with his brothers. This is very common. Most of the people at this time were either farmers or they were shepherds. They would take care. We saw that in the Cain and Abel story, right? One of them was a farmer and the other one took care of sheep. This was pretty much the only professions that were at the time, okay? So we see here that Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now, again, a little bit of context. Last week we learned about, the last two weeks, about Jacob, right? Jacob was married to Rachel and Leah and then two other women. Their names were Bilhah and Zilpah. So there were four women, and then the 12 sons came from one of those four ladies. So Jacob, or sorry, Joseph was out in the field tending the sheep with a few of the sons of those two ladies, and something goes wrong. We don't know what happened. We don't know the, the, the nature of why Joseph said that something happened. We don't know if they were lying. We don't know that maybe they were fooling around out there and they weren't paying attention to the sheep. Maybe an animal attacked and they didn't do anything about it. Maybe they were lying. Maybe they're, Who knows? We don't really know what the issue was. But Joseph brings a report back to his father, a negative report back to them. Now it says, now Israel, remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. So oftentimes the name of Jacob and Israel is interchangeable. Okay, so now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age. And he made a robe of many colors for him. How many of you ever heard the story of Joseph and his many colored coat? Or Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat, right? This is very popular musical. Um, interestingly enough, there's a little asterisk next to it where it says many colored coat. And if you look up that, what that little footnote says, it says, or a long sleeved robe. It's very interesting that, that the translation is there. So in, other, in any way, his coat, the robe that was made for him was different. There was some favoritism being showed to him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and they could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. Now, the first observation that I want to make about this is that this is the reality of humanity, okay? This is something that we see all the time, right? Messiness of life. We've seen it all throughout Genesis. We see it in this story, and we see it today. I think every person in this room either has an issue in their own family or knows a family member or knows a friend or someone that has problems with other people in their family, whether it be um, sibling rivalry Maybe it's um, their parents have treated them poorly. Perhaps um, there's division, there's bitterness. People's family lives are messed up. There's strife, there's anger. This is the things that we see in the Bible are oftentimes 
They hit home. Sometimes they maybe feel like it's something that we don't see, but this is a case right now of reality in our lives that we see painted for us that has been going on for centuries and centuries and centuries. Joseph is a boy who is young, and his only crime at this point is that he's just young, and he was given, you know, born at a time when his life was getting old, and Jacob did had a lot of kids already, and they had gotten into trouble. If you read, you know, other chapters, we see some of the things that happen, and then Joseph comes along, and he's a young kid who has just kind of got the world, you know, at his fingertips. He's got his life ahead of him, and so things are good for him, but his brothers hate him because his dad's treating him differently. We don't like to think, you know, as parents, we think, no, I love all my kids equally, right? You know, we always say, oh, you know, which one's your favorite? I don't have favorites. I love my kids. But the reality is, is that in some families, unfortunately, some people are treated differently than others are. And it creates problems. It creates favoritism and it creates division. People become bitter. We see brokenness everywhere between relationships and it ultimately creates division. And it's no different in Joseph's time and it's no different today. Verse 5 continues, then Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to the dream that I had. There we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Are you really going to reign over us, his brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. And then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you've had, he said? Am I and your mother and your brothers really going to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So Joseph is this young man who's just doing his job, and God speaks to him. God puts these dreams in his heart in the middle of the night and says, I have something for you. And we know, as if you know the end of the story, if, you've, if you're familiar with the Genesis story, that Joseph goes on to become a ruler in Egypt, and his brothers do, in fact, bow down at his feet one day. Now, the problem is, is that the brothers don't have any context for this. The fathers don't have any context for this. But God was speaking something into Joseph's life that would end up being prophetic. Jesus was speaking to Joseph and saying to him, I want something more for you. I have a plan for you. I have something deeper and greater for you. And Joseph, in his exuberance and his excitement, wakes up and wants to share it with the people that he would, right? I mean, anybody who's ever been excited about something, you know, wants to share it. The problem is, is that because of his brothers who were so angry with him already. There was division there. Because there was jealousy and strife, they hated him for it. They would look at him and they would say, I can't believe that you would ever say something like that to me. Now here's the first point that I want to make, is that your position in life, your current position in life, does not dictate your future destination. Joseph was the young one. He was the 11th out of 12 sons. There's only one person who was younger than him, and that was Benjamin. So Joseph was young. His job was to basically like bring water to his brothers who were taking care of things. He was not the one in charge. He was not the one who would be given any blessing. If there was any kind of an inheritance, it wouldn't go to him. Okay, He was the least. He was the lowest. He was the youngest, and so he was the runt of the litter, the, 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 the smallest of the pack. But when God speaks to him, 
The point of the message here at this moment is that your current position, your position in life, your station in life, your age, your financial position, your status, who you are in a community, whatever it is, it doesn't matter how low you are, how far you are, how much in debt you are, it doesn't matter. Your current position does not dictate your future destination. God speaks and says where you will end up. And all it takes is, like Joseph, is to believe it. Joseph heard God speak and said, wow, God wants something more from me. And God might be speaking the same thing to you. He might say something to you, and you could look at your life and say, how is that even possible? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. How could I possibly be a generous person? Be like, I don't have any education. How could I possibly be a public speaker? Whatever God might be saying to you, and you look at your circumstances, and the problem is, is that oftentimes we look at ourselves through the lens of the status quo. Joseph's brothers and his father looked at the status quo and said, are you kidding me, Joseph? They looked at him as the runt. They looked at him as the bottom when God spoke. But Joseph, on the other hand, believed what God said more than what he saw other people do. I'm going to say that again. Joseph believed what God said more than what others did. Where you are now is not an indicator of where God can take you. I want that to sink in this morning. Where you are now is not an indicator of where God can take you. God is a God of dreams. He's a God of restoration, a God of healing, a God of new things. And that's what he was doing with Joseph. He was saying to him, Joseph, you might be the smallest, you might be the, the, the runt, you might have nothing going for you, but I have something more for you. I have a plan for you. And because I have spoken, I will bring it about, and it doesn't matter what other people think. Now, are you willing to hear God's dreams? Think about that for a second. Some of you in the room, you're like, I don't know that God has a dream for me. What I know from God, what I've seen in Scripture, and what I've seen played out in my own life and so many others' lives is that God has a plan and has dreams for each of you. I'm not saying that every one of us is called to be like a world leader. I'm not saying that every one of us is called to do something on a public scale. But I am saying that what God has for us is beautiful, wonderful things. He has purpose for us. He has a plan for each of us. And oftentimes, we're just not listening. We're not willing to hear that he might speak to us in our dreams. We're not willing to, to think that he might want to, to encourage us or might bring someone along. He might want to challenge our assumptions. He might want to change our status quo. If God were to speak a dream to us, would we listen and would we believe him? That's my question to you. But there's another observation that I want to make before we move on. And Joseph will find this, and we've already seen a bit of it, and we're going to see a lot more of it in the stories, that dreams for more draw opposition, resistance, and mockery. Dreams for more draw opposition, resistance, and mockery. You know, people are often afraid of what they don't understand, and they are held hostage to their own assumptions and their own insecurities. What I have experienced in my life, and I've seen oftentimes in my life, and I see in Scripture, and we're going to see more in this passage, is that when God calls for something, when God says, I have more for you, and you begin to share that with people, those people who are the ones who can't hear the dreams, the ones who have, who have given in and become jaded in life, the ones who are discouraged and they're frustrated or they're angry or they can't see past themselves, and whenever someone speaks something new into their life, 
the first thing that comes up is resistance, that comes into opposition and mockery. People begin to think that you're stupid. They want to laugh at you because if they, they think that, that what God spoke to you is a pipe dream. I'm telling you today, if you feel like God has spoken something to your life, that he wants something for you, if there's something bigger for you, that God has plans for you, he said, I promise this for you. If you start to tell people, because you should, right? God said that this is going to happen. I feel like God's telling me I should go get this kind of a job. Or I believe that, that God is telling me that he's going to get me out of debt. Or I, I, I believe that, I, that God told me that I should go do a, a, new, a new career or whatever it might be. I don't know that one day I'm going to be a father or, or I'm going to be a mother or God's going to bring me a spouse or whatever. Oftentimes when you begin to speak things, especially when your family is, is the opposite. If you come out of poverty and God speaks something to you that this is not what I have for you. I have new things for you. You're going to go to college. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people who have said, I, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to college and no one's ever been. And you see how their family resists them. Instead of encouraging them, yes, go down that path. Be, get more. Get more for your life, right? Instead of that, because these people never got to do those things. Because the family members have lived in, have, have, have gotten used to living in their frustration, in their lack, and all of those types of things. When someone wants to rise out of those things, oftentimes what happens is their own family members are trying to hold them down. And this is what you can expect. I'm not trying to discourage you, but what I am telling you is that what we see in Joseph's story, we see all throughout Scripture, I've seen it in my life, is that when God speaks a promise of something, a dream, of something new, something better, Oftentimes, there will be bumps and obstacles trying to keep you from it. And so, you just have to prepare for it. You have to know that it is coming. It's not to discourage you. It is to build resolution. It is to build resolve. Prepare for it. Be resolute that you will be mocked. Especially, the, the bigger the dream, the harder it is for people to see it. We are locked and held hostage to our own perceptions, and we are locked and held hostage to our own assumptions about how things work. And the bigger the dream, the more out of the box it is, the more different that it is, you can expect people to, 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 to be afraid of it, to not understand it, or to think that there's no way you could do that, or you could be successful with it. And most of that comes because of bitterness that they have been locked within themselves. And if maybe their dreams are dead, maybe that they've, they've given up on theirs, or maybe things have happened in their lives and they just can't be happy for someone else. Whatever it is, if God has spoken something over your life, you need to believe him more than what other people say. Let's keep reading here. Verse 12. His brothers had gone to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem. Israel said to Joseph, your brothers, you know, are pasturing the flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. And Joseph goes, I'm ready. Okay. Verse 18. They saw him in the distance. And before he had reached them, they plotted to kill him. It's his great brothers, aren't they? They said to one another, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. So now, come on, let's kill him. And throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him, and then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. There's an example of what I was just talking about. Sometimes the dreams that God puts in our hearts, the things that we want for our lives, that God wants for our lives, are so offensive to other people and their station of existence that they would do things beyond sanity to derail or to destroy what God has for you. Now, it's interesting. I mentioned at the beginning of this that this is a three-part story, and we're calling 
Joseph, the Lord of the dreams. And the reason for that is because that section right there that I just highlighted right there, it says, oh, look, here comes that dream expert. There was another little asterisk. If you're reading your Bible, occasionally you'll see little asterisks. And if you click it online or on your app, or if there is a little asterisk or a letter in your actual paper analog Bible, you can go to the bottom of the page and you'll see a footnote. And oftentimes it gives a note there. And the note here says, or the Lord of the dreams. That's how it's literally translated. They're mocking him, right? They're mocking their brother saying, oh, look, here comes the Lord of the dreams, right? But here's the thing is that the next three stories that we're going to be reading, God is powerfully using those dreams to speak something into Joseph, to change the destiny of the entire people of Israel and ultimately to us today. It begins with dreams as a young man. And it's the catalyst to get him moving. Joseph is a young man just sitting out in the field, taking care of sheep, bringing his brothers lunch, making sure that they're doing okay. And God gives him dreams. And those dreams end up setting him on a path that will ultimately lead to Israel's nation. Now, maybe in his youthful experience, Joseph could have handled his dreams a little bit more diplomatically. And I would say that to you as well. When you get excited for something, be aware of your context. Be aware that, that, you know, if you're walking into the room and you're, you're in a room where people have no money and you suddenly have been blessed with a lot of money, that if you're flaunting that money or you're, you know, really excited about it, that's probably going to be uncomfortable for other people. Whatever that context is, Joseph probably could have saved himself a lot of trouble that we're about to see here in a second. Maybe if he hadn't come across quite so arrogantly, right? But sometimes the reality of the situation is that what God speaks is going to come in conflict with your current context, And that's what happened to him. Perhaps he could have saved himself some trouble, but nonetheless, God still used it for his purposes. That's what we see over and over again, right? Despite what we do, God will always do what he promises. So the Lord of the dreams would grow up, and he would be used by God through dreams and so much more. And we'll see that in the next two weeks. So verse 21 says this, when Reuben, his brother, heard this, that they wanted to try and kill him, he tried to save him from them. He said, let's not take his life Reuben also said to them, don't shed blood. Throw him into this pit, this cistern in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him because he was intending to rescue him and then return him to his father. Well, thanks, Reuben. Reuben was the oldest, probably a little wiser, and was like, you know what? We're going to get into a lot of trouble here, so let's, let's just not, guys. Well, when Joseph came to his brothers, so I don't know where Reuben went. Apparently, maybe Reuben was involved in this, but then kind of went and had lunch somewhere. But when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped off Joseph's robe, the robe of many colors that he had on. Then they took him and they threw him into this pit. The pit was empty without water. And if you want to know what this is, like in the desert, they would build these cisterns. They would fill water with them so that they were like pit stops, right? Way stations in the middle of the desert because there's no water there. So they would fill these big pits with water so that when they came, they could feed their, uh, they could give water to their camels and to their, their sheep. But this one was dry. So there was a big hole in the ground and they just threw him in it, basically leaving him to die. Verse 25, they sat down to eat a meal while their brothers over here in the pit. I can't even just, this is ridiculous. And when they looked up, there was a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were carrying aromatic gum, balsam, resin, and they were going down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill uh, our brother and cover up his blood? Now they're thinking about business deals, right? This is the, the depravity of the mind is ridiculous. Come on, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay a hand on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. I mean, now it's like, you know, I mean, he's our brother, right? Like, we can't, like, kill him. 
Let's make some money off of him. That would be the way to go. And his brothers agreed. So when Midianite tra- traders passed by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the pit and they sold him for 20 pieces of silver to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph to Egypt. Now, this is an important little note. Reverse back into Abraham's story. Remember when Abraham and Sarah got really impatient and Sarah said, We're, I'm never going to have a child of my own. Here, go sleep with, my, with my, uh, my mistress, Hagar. And she got pregnant and had Ishmael. And then Ishmael goes off because Sarah got jealous and ends up sending Hagar and Ishmael out. And the Bible says to Ishmael into, into Hagar in the desert and says, your son Ishmael will be blessed. He will be powerful. He will grow, and he will have many peoples below him and underneath of him. And then we don't really hear anything about Ishmael, right, until Joseph needs rescuing. Now here we are in this moment where it seems like Joseph is about to meet his demise. He's picked up. He's about to be murdered, and then they see a caravan of Ishmaelites, distant relatives that they have nothing to do with anymore, and they sell him to Egypt. Because they're, they're like, they're traders. That's what they do. They would, they would they, along the way, they'd pick up things, they would trade and barter goods, and then they would go to other places and sell those things. Now, here's what I would say to you. In the world of dreams and the, the concepts of what God is doing in our lives and the things that we desire and, and what God has spoken over us, I would say this to you. If you're taking notes, write this down because this is a big deal. When it seems like it's over, God is often working behind the scenes on our behalf. When it seems like it's over, when the walls are caving in, when the shadows are coming over top of you, when it feels like the end, God is often working behind the scenes on our behalf. And in this moment, when Joseph shows up, hey guys, like I'm here, and they're plotting to kill him, they strip him down. Can you imagine the fear? They leave him in the desert, the sun cooking him inside of this pot. And all of a sudden, God sends a caravan of distant relatives whom was outcasted by his own people. And God promises long ago that God would use Ishmael and his people. And we see again, despite our failures, despite our our greed, despite our sinful nature, trying at every corner to disrupt what God would do, God's sovereignty steps in. God comes in and does something and weaves it. Long before Joseph ever arrived there, God sent the Ishmaelite traders. Like, got them on the road. Like, spun the top, moved the pieces so that at just the right moment, when Joseph needed something, needed a moment, just at the right moment, God brings along the Ishmaelite traders and brings them along. And yes, he's sold into slavery. It does not seem like a good situation, but God is keenly involved. When it seems like it's over, God is often working behind the scenes on our behalf. And I will tell you this, is that nothing is wasted with God. Nothing is wasted with him. When your life feels like it's, it's messed up, when it feels like there's, there's no good that could possibly come out of it, I want you to hear this today, that nothing is wasted with God. Despite the worst things that a mom could do to their kids, despite the, the bill problems, despite our poor choices, despite all of the things that we do wrong that people do to us, the things that cause us turmoil and trouble and strife in our lives, none of it is wasted with God. He will always use it. He can use it to his, his abilities. He can command them to do what he wants. And then in the New Testament, it says that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. That's you, and that's me. 
Every one of us, because we are children of God, now can know and trust that our God is working on our behalf to pull things into the way that it's supposed to be. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're always going to have fun. What it does mean, though, is that we can trust that what's happening down the road is that God is never taken by surprise. It wasn't like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Joseph's going to die. Oh, crap. Oh, good. There's a caravan of people. No. God's hand was on all of it. And that is so important for us to understand. The story is not over for Joseph. In fact, this is just the beginning. And so we're going to pull all of this together right now. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is the big idea of this message today is this, is to trust the dream giver and keep walking forward. There's something in your life that God is speaking to you. Even now, God might be reminding you of something he spoke over your life years ago. Something is being awakened inside of your heart promise that he's made to you, a dream, something you have long forgotten, or perhaps you're in a place where right now you're thinking, I'm going to, I'm just, I think I'm going to give up. You're frustrated. You're discouraged. Hear me. Trust the dream giver, not the people around you. Don't trust the words of those who said you will fail or that you could never be. Don't trust in the, the labels and the, the phrases that have been placed upon you, the categories of people that they have called you and lumped you into. Don't trust what your bank account statement says. Don't trust your paycheck. Don't trust your car not starting. Don't trust your house falling apart. Don't trust in any of the things that this world provides. Instead, trust the dream giver and just walk. Keep walking forward. Keep walking forward. Keep being obedient. Keep listening to him. Hear the words of the dream giver. Keep hearing and listening and trusting. And even in the moments of darkness, even when you're thrown into a pit and your clothes have been taken from you, keep trusting the dream giver. I know that you would not speak something, God, if you were not going to bring it to fruition. I love that the Bible in the New Testament, again, it says that he who began a good work is faithful to complete it. That's the God that we serve. That he will continue to bring you to what he has promised you. God is never going to not answer a promise. He will always do what he said that he will do. And Joseph, I can imagine, sitting in the middle of this cistern, in the middle of the desert, his brothers hate him. They were going to kill him. They don't know the, con the conversations. All they see is they stripped him and threw him in there. And he's thinking, I'm going to die. I know what the heat index is out here. I'm going to die. I have no water. There is no way I will last more than a day in this pit. I'm going to die. And at the same time, I believe what we have seen from Joseph and through the rest of the story is that he's sitting there going, I trust you, dream giver. When I was sleeping the other night, you told me that this was going to happen in my life. You told me you have a plan for me to prosper me. You have a plan. I trust in that. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't understand but I trust it. And then he hears like the pattering of like the camel foot. He hears whispering, you know, out there. I don't know. What's going on up there? I don't know what's happening up there. And all of a sudden they pull him up and now he's got a ride to Egypt. And he's got to be thinking still, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I'm not in the pit anymore. You see what I'm saying? Trust the dream giver and just keep walking forward. And by the end of the story, and maybe if you want to this week, just read ahead. You'll begin to see. You'll begin to see that God has this grand plan, not just for Joseph, but for the people of Egypt and ultimately for the people of Israel. It's incredible what God is doing, weaving this whole thing together. Trust the dream giver and keep walking forward. So 
Let's read the rest of the story, and we're going to set the stage for the rest of the story over the next two weeks, too. Verse 29, when Reuben returned to the pit, I have no idea where he went. How did he miss all of this? And saw that Joseph was not there. He tore his clothes. That was a very common thing. When there was a weeping, they would tear their clothes, and then they would cover themselves with soot and ash to kind of mourn. He went back to his brothers and said, the boy is gone. And they're like, yeah, we know. What am I going to do? So they took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a male goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. And they sent the robe of many colors to their father and said, we found this. Examine it. Is this your son's robe or not? His father recognized it. It's my son's robe, he said. A vicious animal has devoured him. Joseph has been torn to pieces. I can't imagine the agony on this father's you know, heart. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth around his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and daughters tried to comfort him, knowing what they did, right? Like, the, the depravity in this moment is, is stunning to me. That he refused to be comforted. I mean, no, he said, I will go down to Sheol, which is, which is like the grave in, in Hebrew, to my son mourning. And his father wept for him. Meanwhile, I love that, meanwhile, here's what's happening. The Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards. His situation has dramatically changed, and we're going to learn about that next week. So all we see here is lies to cover their tracks, more of the same from our sinful nature, right? Not taking responsibility, just just trying to keep ourselves out of trouble. But through all of it, God is doing something. You see what I'm saying? God is working. He's moving pieces around the board in his faithfulness. And through God's sovereignty, God works through it all to fulfill his promise and spoken word that ultimately leads to the promised land, which goes through Egypt. All of this goes through Egypt. If you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, you'll know that this is where the story is heading next. If you read through Genesis and into Exodus, this is where the story is going. God has a plan. Joseph is a part of the plan. So we're going to see that. Remember, Trust the dream giver and keep walking forward. Would you stand with me as we kind of finish off with some practical thoughts today? Trust the dream giver and keep walking forward. Real quickly, I want to just kind of hit these while we're going to sing just a worship song to kind of close this off in just a moment. But listen, number one, stop and listen. You can't hear the dream giver if you're never willing to take time to pause and like turn off the noise. Stop and listen every once in a while. Just get into a quiet place in your bedroom. Go on a hike somewhere or go to a park at your lunch break. Something. Just stop. Quiet things around and just listen. Say, God, what do you have for me? What do you want? What would you say? Sometimes it's just a word. I love you. Other times it's, hey, you're screwing up a lot. You're being an idiot. Stop. Sometimes it's, hey, you know, I've got a word, a specific dream for you or a plan for you or a decision to make, and he gives you an answer. There's all sorts of things that we have to stop. We have to listen. Number two, take time to dream with God. Life gets busy. I know. Life gets hard. Life has a way of kind of beating the excitement out of us. But God doesn't deal with that. And so God, I believe, is, is waiting for us to say, hey, do you have, what do you have? What do you want to do? How can this day be an adventure? How can this week be an adventure? How can my life be full of life and full of joy? Is it possible, God? Is it possible that my job that I hate could actually be, there could be some positive that would come out of it? How could you use me in this difficult situation? You see, God, I believe that if we take time to stop and listen and then sit there and say, God, what do you have? What are the possibilities in this moment? Because what I see you're the God of possibilities. There's, there could be other angles to this that I'm missing. Take time to dream 
ask God what else he sees that we don't see. What are the blind spots that we're not seeing? And number three, document your dreams. When God begins to say something to you, write it down in some way. Maybe it's a journal. Maybe it's speaking it out loud to a family member or a trusted confidant. Hey, I I was praying this week or I was sitting in the shower and I just had this crazy idea that I feel like I think it might be from God. Like, tell someone. Something happens when we speak out loud or when we write down these things. It's like a it's like a mini step of faith to to say, okay, God, I think I heard you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out into reality. Document it, put it out there. What you're believing for. Share your dreams with other people. Tell them. And here's why is because even though you might come against some opposition, you might come against some mockery or resistance, when you share your dreams, you also find allies. You find people who resonate with those dreams. You find people who say, yeah, God's been saying the same thing to me. Or you'll find someone who, who, who said, that's so cool. Like God's been telling me this thing. And even though it might be different, you're both you're walking, like stepping forward in excitement and in faith, right? Like share your dreams, not in fear that someone's going to beat you up over it, but that, that God's going to bring people, journey along the way with you, people who will walk with you, companions on the road. Share your dreams. Share what God is doing in your life. Find allies. Look for people who will give you strength. And build your life around those people. Build your life around the allies, not the ones who will mock you. It's okay. You have people in your lives who are difficult, people who will be, you know, who you struggle with, and, and they're in your life for good or for worse. You gotta take care of that. And, and you have to have boundaries and all that stuff. But listen, spend your time focusing on the people who will be allied with you. The ones who who see what God is saying. The ones who believe with you in faith, call them into your life and walk alongside of them and allow them to walk with you and encourage them. And then you'll find strength for the road, even when it's dry, even when it's hot and it's hard and it's difficult. And finally, commit to the entire journey. Joseph stood up in front of his brothers, in front of his family and said, God gave me a dream for something greater for me. Yes, he could have handled it differently. Maybe it would have changed the circumstances. Maybe it wouldn't have. But he believed that God spoke something. And he knew while he was sitting in the middle of a pit, while he potentially could have been killed, while he's on the way to Egypt to be sold into slavery, and later on through the rest of the story, all throughout it, we see his faithfulness that he was committed to the entire journey. There was no point in which Joseph said, I'm done, I'm giving up. Because he trusted in God. So I encourage you today to hear God's voice speaking. Take time to hear from him. Listen to him. Leave it. Walk forward in that, trusting that he will complete what he has called you to. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of Joseph. It is a complicated story of, of faith and of failure, of fear, of your faithfulness. God, it is, it is encouraging, it is inspiring, and it is also terrifying. And life is a lot like that. Each of us in the room today are in a different place some of us are filled with faith and some of us are terrified. Some of us are frustrated. And some of us are, are filled with excitement and vision. God, whatever, wherever we are, I pray that you would now speak to us. Church, just open your hearts to him. Just under your breath, just whisper to him, God, I, I want to hear from you. Would you speak to me? I give you permission to speak to me. Open my ears to hear. Jesus said, those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, let them let them hear, let them see. It's a choice. We have to choose. Choose to hear from him today. 
God, this week as we go through our lives and our work and our busyness and all the things that we do, would you open our ears? We choose to open our ears to hear from you. Would you speak to us through your word? Yes, we have to choose to open your word and read it. We choose to do that. We choose to hear you speaking through your spirit and worship. Yes, we choose to worship you this week. And as we do, we believe you will speak to us. God, I, I, I believe that you will speak to each one of us through our relationships. Yes, we must choose to be in relationship with other people, other allies. We choose to do that this week in Jesus' name. And God, would you give us faith to believe in the dreams that you've spoken? Would you reawaken our hearts to the things that maybe have been long forgotten? I call into existence now in Jesus' name, dead dreams. Rise up like the resurrection. In your resurrection power, God, would you raise from the dead dreams that were long forgotten? Right now, in Jesus' name, I declare your victory, your power, and your strength into dreams that feel impossible. I pray that now you would break through walls in Jesus' name. That God, whatever barriers are in the way that are stopping stopping us from realizing the potential that you have called us to. You begin to now be bring pieces into play, bring things onto the board that would change our circumstances. And we believe that you are working behind the scenes, even when we can't see you. And finally, I would be remiss if I did not give every one of us an opportunity to meet Jesus, to meet the God who gives his life for us so that we can walk in this freedom, that we can walk in this, this faith. If there's anyone in the room today who wants to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, I just want you to slip your hand up real quick and I want to pray with you. If there's anyone in the room today who says, I want to walk in this kind of favor. I want to know the God who loves me and I want to trust him. I want to begin a relationship with my God. Would you raise your hand right now and I just want to pray over you. Yes, I love seeing hands come. Thank you, Jesus, for how you're speaking in our hearts. And as one church, as one family, let's all just pray out loud, just repeat after me and we'll say this together so that we can all know that our hearts are pure and clean. Just pray together with me now. Jesus, I choose you. I say yes to you. I believe in your promises. I want what you have for me. Forgive me of my sin. Cover me. Show me your love. And I receive it now. Show me your dreams. Give me dreams. Let me believe them. Rise up faith in me. And I will walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.